you are listening to Greener Grass, a podcast, we are your hosts, Carrie Wheat and Kelly McVeigh. Today, we are so excited to bring you the one and only Ivan Kane. He is a club owner and a restaurateur. His name is synonymous with some of the hottest clubs that have ever been in Hollywood. And he's the creator and owner of Forty Deuce. He also had his club at the Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, then opened up Royal Jelly in Atlantic City. He is currently now in Columbus, Ohio. He's opened 40 Deuce at Easton, which is a big, beautiful outdoor mall in Columbus. And I worked for him as a dancer almost 20 years ago. He is going to bring us along on his journey and tell us, um, you know, his journey through this industry and what he's excited about right now. Kelly was the lucky one of the two of us because when I reached out to Ivan, he said, well, why don't you have Kelly come down to the supper club, which is their, you know, Friday evening show to come and check out the show. So she's going to tell us all about her personal experience at 40 Deuce. I'm really glad you went before this recording. So what was your experience at 40 Deuce at Easton? So listen, I'm so glad that I went too. And I had so much fun. First of all, I feel like I need to get out way more often. And I've talked about it nonstop, just so you know, Ivan, I feel like I have a whole slew of people that are plotting and planning on coming now. I loved that I got there and went in to the hostess. And she was like, go outside on the sidewalk. My cousin went with me, my cousin, Stephanie. We went through the kitchen, through a deep freezer door, up these steps, which just made it like fun, crazy. What It just made it feel special and exciting, right? Of course. And then going into the club, like it looks amazing. It's a great space. Like I love how it's laid out. I love where the tables are. It feels... Um, close, like you're close to all the action, but it felt um, like I always am an energy person. So the amount of people, like it had a lot of energy and Carrie, before you walk in the door, you have to do a shot. I'm sure you don't have to do a shot people, but they have shots there for you to do. When you're- oh, they, they offer, they offer it to they you. They offer a shot. Ivan, that wasn't the case in Hollywood. Why are you holding back on us? No, no, but we want to make sure that everybody understands that they're not coming to something stayed, that it's going to be a party. We want to make sure they understand that from the get go. Oh, you know? I love it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so much fun. And my cousin, of course, like, she was like, what are we doing? And I'm like, do the shot. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) But listen, the food was great. Um, The food was amazing. And, you know, there's like this anticipation for the show because first of all, I've been killing it with the music. It was so many songs that I freaking loved when he was just playing music before the show got started. And, and Stephanie, my cousin and I were like, oh my gosh, we need this playlist. Like how is he choosing all these songs? These songs are all perfect. So you definitely got that party feel. The party started right away. Um, Plus we were drinking. The shot was just the beginning, the beginning of the party. And so, so much fun. And then the show started. I thought the talent was incredible. I felt like the talent was amazing. I feel like Carrie, I learned so much from you coming to your burlesque show that, that like it's dancing, it's choreographed. There's a reason everyone's doing what they were doing. The band was so much fun. I mean, I, 
I had so much fun. I've talked about it. I took a ton of pictures and a ton of videos. Um, last night I went out with four or five girls for dinner and I was telling them all about it. I was like, you, I had so much fun. We have to go and do this. And they were like, we should get a, a room at the Hilton one night and go and do this. I think they even picked the date of like November 13th or something. I also told my boyfriend and all his friends, which Carrie knows the crew, like they're a handful in itself. But I was like, no, listen, you guys have to come. So much fun. And one of the guys texted me today from work and said, hey, I'm telling my buddy about that show you went to on Friday. Can you send me a couple pictures? And I'm like, of course, of course, you guys are talking about it, but it's fun that it's like, does not have, I felt like a total vibe that didn't feel Columbus. Like you could almost forget that you're in Columbus and in that moment, um, being there and, and I just, I can't even explain Carrie, like you would love it. If you, when you come back, we'll have to go. I feel like who knows how many times I'm going to be there in the next few months, because it's all I've been doing is talking about it. (laughs) This is amazing. Well, I don't have to imagine because I've seen the show a million times. It's just slightly different, right, Ivan? Like, if I experienced what you had in Hollywood, what will be different for me? Like, if I were to come see it in Columbus? I actually think you'd be pleasantly surprised, uh, Carrie. I only know one way to do what I do, whether it's, you know, a 40 deuce, a different nightclub concept, a restaurant, you know, a Broadway show, a show for a casino. I only know one way to do it, and that's to do it with attention to detail and as much expertise as I can muster and surrounding myself with talented people. So I did not take into account some kind of preconception about what Columbus was. First of all, I don't apologize for being in Columbus because I think it's a fantastic city and everybody I meet, everybody I meet is incredibly gracious and welcoming and nice. Yeah, so nice, right? The people. Yeah, it's almost insane, you know? And they've just welcomed me with open arms from day one, which has been very gratifying. And I think the fact that they are enjoying what I'm doing is a testament to not only the fact that, you know, this is not what some people may think of as the Midwest you know, without having experienced a city like Columbus, but also because I think I did bring, and that's why it was so exciting to hear Kelly say that, because I did want to bring a little bit of Hollywood or Vegas to Columbus. And so, you know, in, in so far as the decor, the ambiance and the experience and the level of the musicianship and the level of the dancers, which of course are not local dancers, uh, you know, I bring them from either New York, Miami, LA, or Vegas. You know, I go around the country every three months and I audition girls and bring them. So I think you would be very pleasantly surprised. I think you would find the experience very similar to what you've done and what you've seen, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, in Hollywood. So I wanted to bring our podcast listeners kind of in on the story. Episodes ago, we talked about you randomly It just came up in me and Kelly's conversation. And I kind of gave the backdrop of how I know you. Right. Because you're now at Easton in Columbus, which is like where I went shopping at Abercrombie and Fitch when I was in college. So it's very weird to me. It's very odd to me that that part of my life and then you are now in one sentence. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
early in the 2000s, I was just a dancer at the time. And my whole group of girlfriends, it seemed like everybody that I was dancing with, they all worked for Ivan. So we're talking, I don't know, like the cream of the crop dance, female dancers at the time, I think Ivan. I, I call us that. Oh, yeah. No, the creme de la creme, no doubt about it. We had, back in the day with you, when you were around, it was the best dancers in the L.A. dancing, bar none, bar none. Yeah, yep. I mean, I'll, if I name them, people won't necessarily know who I'm talking about, but the Tracy Phillips and Carolina Sarasola and um, Lindsley and my friend Vey and Dakota. So all these women who are now in their 40s, but we were in our mid-20s, 30s at the time, but Ivan had... Two clubs that were the hottest clubs in Hollywood, Deep, which was on the corner of Hollywood and Vine, which, by the way, it makes me tear up when I realize it's now a parking lot. I know. I know. Yeah, because I was still dancing for the new owners of that space when it burnt down. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. It became Basque, and then it, quote unquote, accidentally burnt down. (laughs) Yeah, that's always been a point of discussion. (laughs) Yes, Yes, always, 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 quote unquote, you know, insurance, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, that is another point for another day. (laughs) And then he opened, (laughs) then he opened 40 Deuce Hollywood on Melrose. And this was just, I was there like every weekend watching my friends dance. And they had this little tiny closet of a, of a dressing room in the back. And it was just like, it was like we had the time of our lives. And it was because of, because of you. Because you had this amazing spot. I liken it to like a building that like was just bursting at the seams. Because like, it was small. Yeah, it, it was, it was 1,500 square feet. Oh I always used to say it was like doing a Broadway show inside a closet. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was so small. And so difficult to get into. And, you know, L.A. being L.A., um, even if you have a bigger venue, you know, there's a velvet rope and you're picking and choosing who comes in. We had no choice but to just because there were so many celebrities there every night and movers and shakers on the Hollywood Mm -hmm. that we had no choice but to just kind of pick and choose. So the room was always packed with just, you know, just the, you know, the most well-known, the most powerful people in town. There'd be a knock on our back door and, you know, Mick Jagger would be there or Sting would, you know, Keanu Reeves, any number of people. It was, I was literally constantly kicking friends of mine out of seats to make room for people. So it was just, you know, it was a certain magic that came with the fact that the room was just way too small to do, to, you know, house such insane talent. You know, the band was swinging, the girls were great. Back in L.A. at that time, you know, it was all about seeing and being seen. You know, people didn't think that you could put a show on inside a nightclub and people would stop what they were doing long enough to pay attention. Mm. They said, no, 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 that's not going to work. You know, this isn't the 40s, the Trucadero. You know, the people aren't going to watch a show. And I said, if it's the right show and if done right, they're going to watch it. And, you know, when 40 Deuce burst onto the scene and all of a sudden, you know, the stage would lower and the band would hit the downbeat and the girls, you know, drinks were were ignored and the world stood still for those eight minutes that each girl danced and people watched. I think it just became something unique in nightlife. And I think that's what was the secret 
recipe for our success. Well, and for our listeners, if you can imagine, if you go to Ivan's show at Easton, it's it's one female dancer and a trio, a band trio, and it's a burlesque piece. So she's taking a piece of clothing off as she's dancing, and it's it's mesmerizing. It's mesmerizing, or it's just so entertaining, depending on what the set is, I think. I think that Kelly sent me a video of the song Tequila. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's one, but then you'll have other ones that are a little bit more mysterious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some are slower and sultrier, some are more high energy and energetic. You know, these girls climb things, they zip line over the audience, you know, they're hanging. It's a shot out of a cannon. It really doesn't let up for 30 minutes uh, the way we do it for the supper club um, Kelly went to. Um, and, um, you know, I don't think you can catch your breath. I think the whole idea is to just kind of knock people's socks off. It's like there used to be this old commercial for when cassettes were still a thing, which I'm aging myself, <laughs> dating myself, but, you know, for Memorex, you know, and they had this guy sitting in a chair with two speakers facing him and his hair was being blown back. And that's sort of always my goal, you know, is just to have people's like hair just blown back from the energy there in the room. And of course it helps that we, we try and get everybody nice and toasty and partying and in the mood to, to rage a little bit. And, um, you know, you know, Kelly's been very sweet and very nice to say that we seem to have achieved our goal, you know? Well, and Ivan, I love too that you're three dancers. Um, I mean, they were super different from each other. It's kind of what you're saying, Carrie, like one was high energy, one, they all brought different things, but I also feel like they, I mean, I'm sure that there is a thing where all guys fantasize about a, a certain girl and all three girls had a different look a different vibe. Um, and so I'm sure everyone in that room connected with those girls in a different way. And you're right, completely for sure. Amazing dancers. Um, one of them I felt like had gymnast background for sure, but how they incorporated all of that, I felt like is what made the show. And I didn't even, I didn't even know how long the show was for sure. Ivan, because I was like, so in the moment, so, and, and even on the music break where the trio, they kind of each had their moment where, you know, they were highlighted. I was just as much in, uh, you know, for that moment with the drummer drumming or the saxophone player coming down the bar. Um, the environment in the space is like created in such a way that you feel I'm a feel person. And I, I feel like you felt every moment and you felt the whole vibe of the entire room. So the dancers were chosen, I feel like, in a great way and all very different. The three acts, if that's what you would say, like were very different. But I also want to say I love hearing you guys reminisce about this um, and just you have to feel so accomplished and proud that you have experienced this. I mean, hearing the you know, McJagger's knocking on the back door and you're kicking out your friends, like is one experience. But the fact that now, um, however many years later, you're still in a space where you still have that vision, you still have that creative vibe, you know, the formula that works and that you can bring it to a whole new area and audience. Well, it was really fun for me. I got a call and very random, if I say so myself. You know, I'm always looking for the next project. Um, and to be perfectly frank, the Midwest was not 
on the top of my list. You know, I, I was more of a flyover guy. I had businesses on both coasts. And, and I hadn't thought about doing something in the Midwest, although there's a lot of viable markets here. But, you know, I got a call from the developer of Easton and his partner, Yaramir Steiner and Les Wexner. And they said, look, you know, we want you to see what we're doing down here at Easton. We're building a brand new section to the number one shopping destination in the country, which it actually is. And, um, you know, they've got everything, every store, you know, from, you know, uh, Victoria's Secret to Louis Vuitton. You know, they've got everything. It's like, uh, it's gorgeous. And it's a, like a little mini city, unlike LA, like the Grove in LA, where you have to park and walk. You can actually drive through Easton. It's that large. You know, they were spending a half a billion dollars in building a brand new section. And they said, look, come here, see what we're doing. And, you know, let me know what you think. And I did. And I fell in love with it. And they said, look, you can design the building. You could design the space. We want entertainment. We want your 40 deuce concept, but you can dress it up however you like. So they allowed me to design the building, the 40 deuce space, like a converted warehouse. You know, I did a cafe downstairs and they were just so generous with their ability to say, look, it's your vision. We want an owner operator venue. We want something entertainment driven and we want it to be unique to the marketplace. And then from the financial side of it, they showed me the numbers that the bars and restaurants at Easton do, which are quite an anomaly compared to the rest of the country. I mean, hmm. this Easton so wildly successful. It's hard to imagine sitting in LA that there's a place like Easton in the middle of the country. It's so wildly successful. So it was a no brainer for me to come to this market and, and bring something that I knew no one had ever seen before. There is a neo burlesque movement in Columbus. There's actually a big burlesque oh, movement. Okay. Just like there is around the rest of the country, but their burlesque is not Ivan Kane's burlesque because I use dancers who are professional dancers nine out of 10 times. If they're not dancing for me, they're touring with a major recording artist or they're, you know, on Broadway. I mean, that's the level caliber of dancers I use. Very rehearsed, very choreographed. Whereas the neo-burlesque movement is more about, you know, strutting and peeling. And it's sexy and it's fun. And I'm sure there are a lot of great people that do it, but it's not what we mm -hmm. did. And so I've been able to go into every market I brought 40 Deuce to and literally be one of a kind. And that's a nice thing to do. You mentioned the formula. At this point, I do know the formula that works. And it's nice to go somewhere where I know they can't replicate what I'm doing. A lot of people have tried, but they just can't replicate it, you know, I think, to the level of excellence that we're able to bring to every show um, and the ambiance and the decor, you know, all of it. Yeah, Ivan, they can't even replicate it here, to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't know if they can. I mean, I, I mean, I know a lot of people that do it, but um, including a lot of people that have worked for me, and I'm sure they're great shows. But I know that what I do, not just because it's OG, but because, you know, I, I think my particular talent for assembling the right dancers, the right musicians, the right arrangements, the right energy... I'm making sure, like I said, at the risk of repeating myself. I totally agree. We want it to be a party. Yeah. We don't want people to kind of sit there and just go, oh, that was fun. You know, that was sexy. You know, we want it to be a party because especially now, it's the most important thing we could be doing because everybody's life is so damn difficult. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and 
no one's escaping it. No one. I'm not. I'm sure you're not. You've got kids. They're at home. They're not at school. You know, whatever it is, you know, your your company is downsizing. You got to wear a mask. You don't have to wear a mask. You got to wear them again. It's just a nightmare out there. So seeing people have a good time at the risk of sounding corny, seeing people with a smile on their face, everybody comes up to me, go, oh, my God, thanks. You know, we left the kids at home. It was glorious. It, you know, I think now the timing couldn't have been more right. I mean, it was great 23 years ago when I began this journey, but it's just as relevant and necessary now. I have to tell you guys. So, you know, it was somewhat um, last minute that I was like asking people to go with me, you know, on Friday night and, you know, school started. And so I was getting some no's here and there. And my boyfriend was out of town and I said to him like, Hey, I thought about asking your friend, Mike, because my best friend can't go. So-and-so can't go. And I had somewhat, I thought I had explained it to him. And he's like, Mike does not want to go to a dance show with you. And I'm like, are you sure? And I was sending a couple pictures and videos. And he's like, this is the kind of dance show that Mike and I want to go to. And I'm like, I tried to explain to you. This was not like your typical. And he's like, I am all in for this. So I just think, you know, there is this. I almost think, cause I also, we've talked about Ivan on this, um, that I've ventured into a couple strip clubs as has Carrie, I think, but there's something even, I feel like more intriguing and fun with this, um, for guys, girls, you know, even uh, there were so many couples there, but like, I feel like it's even more intriguing when they're actually dancing. It's actually a show and there are those moments they're taking off. Then you're just walking to a strip club where they're not performers. They're not really dancers. Not that I can't say that there are sometimes strip clubs. Cause we've talked about this too, where they, they are actually probably they could perform, but they're not the caliber of this for sure. Obviously I had a club in Vegas. So I, you know, the Vegas strip clubs are probably the best in the country. I mean, these girls are all 11s. They're outrageously, sexy and talented in what they do. But the bottom line is it's apples and oranges. And it it just, it's not a a linear comparison. And the thing is, it's so interesting that you had that experience, Kelly, because, you know, 40 Deuce has never been easy to explain. People just don't get it. They either think it's a strip club or they don't understand what it is. And I've always maintained in the 20 years I've been doing this, that 40 Deuce needs to be experienced because it's just too difficult to explain. I know it's a water cooler conversation the next day, the next week at work, people are talking about it over the water cooler. I know they're trying to describe it, but people just don't understand until you can actually experience it. And it's, and it's, it's a bargain to boot, you know, um, you know, for everything that we provide for one very reasonable price, it's a bargain. And, you know, it was always originally a nightclub. And because of COVID, see if there was a way to still do the show. I mean, we've been doing it since the minute we reopened after they closed us down for two months. So we repurposed the room so that we could socially distance tables. And we were only allowed, we could only fit in 55 people at the time. The night Kelly was there. We had like 90 people in there, but because we don't have to socially distance the tables anymore, but with 55 people in there, because of the size of the room, it vibed 
and and everybody sat down and they watched the show and they had dinner and they had a bottle and it, and it was just fun and you know it was just impossible to stop doing it once the restrictions were lifted so we kept doing the supper club which is a new concept for me in relation to 40 dues i'd done it a few times at my own cafes you know while people ate dinner but never full time but we finally reopened the nightclub and that's a different kind of way to experience the show because there's DJs and dancing and then it's not a set show time. The show happens when anticipation actually builds to a palpable crescendo and then, you know, I pull the trigger and the drummer hits downbeat and we do the show. So same show, same experience, different format. Listen, I also have to give props to your staff in general. And, you know, I think across the U.S. right now, staffing restaurants, um, venues, all locations is tricky. It's, I, I mean, I, I've had the worst service pretty much everywhere in the last few months just because there are so few people that are, you know, so few places that are fully staffed. But your staff, are a part of the show, even if they're not dancing in the sense that um, they're ready to get the party started too. And just how they interact and how, what they're checking on and why, what are you here celebrating tonight? Like your staff was amazing. Top notch from the moment we walked in for the shot at the door to when we were leaving, I, everyone that I interact with um, was incredible. And, and they were all super hot too, Ivan. <laughs> they all had it going on too. Yeah, we tried. We tried. So Ivan, um, okay, so there's a gap in my flow of knowing you, right? Yeah. Okay, so deep, you sold deep. You opened 40 Deuce. I don't know how long that, how long did you own 40 Deuce Hollywood? Uh, it was open five years. Okay, okay, five years. Then somewhere in that time, you open at the Mandalay Bay, which I was at the opening for that club. So much fun. Yeah. Actually. And then then you had a cafe in Hollywood on Vine as well. Right. And then right. I then I didn't know. And then yeah. yeah, can you please like also for our LA, you know, people who, who listen to this who know me from here, they probably want to know too. So if you could kind of bring us into this transformation from LA to now Columbus and tell me why you left LA. Well, I left LA, you know, I mean, I still live in LA. So LA is home for me, even though I grew up in New York, I've been living in LA for 30 plus years. So I still love LA constantly look for the right venue. LA has a very short shelf life for most clubs. I mean, it could be as little as six months yeah. to a year before, you know, I, I don't want to say L.A. is shallow or vacuous because I love L.A., but they are a little shallow and vacuous <laughs> because they're moving on to the next big thing. And that's just the way L.A. Yeah. is, you know, and um, that's fine because I did high concept venues, whether it was Kane or Deep or 40 News or Cafe Was. So, like I said, everything I do, I try and do so that it can't be replicated. It's completely unique and it's going to have a longer shelf life, which I always have. But when I did Mandalay Bay, which I had for seven years before I sold it, a casino is a captured audience. Everybody that's in a casino is there to um, overindulge you know, to debauch themselves, yeah. to spend too much money, yeah. to 
drink too much, to go out too much, you know, to have sex too much, you know, all of it, you know, and that's a good environment for a nightlife guy. So I got enamored with being in a casino. So I started pursuing casino projects, which I've done uh, four or five since then. And that's why I haven't been in LA because there are casinos all over the country. So, um, uh, the first casino was a casino in Atlantic City, which was a two and a half billion dollar brand new casino, as gorgeous as any casino in Las Vegas called Rebel. I did what was called Royal Jelly there, but it was a 40 deuce. They just asked me to rebrand it specific for their casino. And that was a tricked out 9,000 square feet, $10 million club. Wow. That I partnered with Cirque du Soleil on the design. It had circular catwalks that came down from the ceiling into the room and the dancers would be on it, hanging from it. It was outrageous. And we did the classic burlesque show and we did a rock and roll show every night. And that was great. And then Atlantic City loved what I was doing. So I opened up three more clubs and three other casinos. All during that time, I was writing a Broadway show, which has taken up most of my time because what happened was I literally decided to sell my businesses to put all my eggs in this one basket because we got some stars attached and some producers attached. And this is a show that I've written called What and Give Up Show Business based on my life in burlesque. Mm. And it's an outrageously funny show with fantastic music by a guy named Mark Rank, who's my partner on the project. And we're hoping to get to Broadway by the 2022 season wow. and we're about to chop it. And, and um, so that's been really my life over the course of the last literally 10 years. I've been writing this musical and, you know, I just wrote a new show for Foxwoods Casino in, in Connecticut. So as long as it's artistic, you know, I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy creating. You know, when Yaramir Steiner called me, you know, it was really just fortuitous because I kind of had just sold everything and was like really looking for what I was going to do, whether I was just going to continue just banging away on the script while I wasn't doing any other projects. And, you know, I really had to fall in love with the idea of opening a new venue because I'm very hands on in all phases of operation. Yeah, I have to say that is one thing that is always that has always resonated with me with you. I know, even though I haven't talked to you in however many years, when you have a club, you're there. You're yeah. there. You're dealing yeah. with the staff. You're training. You do it all. You you are not hands off, which is leading to my next question. When you put up the Broadway show, uh, when is it, because the last time you maybe had the Vegas and Hollywood going at the same time. Is that really difficult to do? Well, it is. I mean, and it's always been why I've never had more than two or three venues going at the same time because I'm so, you know, I'm so reticent to delegate, you know, especially when it comes to artistic decisions, but not even that, just like the placement of the napkins. I mean, I design every aspect of it, obviously. So, you know, uh, it's hard for me, uh, but you know, what you have to do is you, you know, every time I have more than one venue at one time and I'm traveling around, I have to, I have to build an infrastructure. It's hard to let go. And it's also hard to find people who share my artistic sensibility, mm -hmm. but you know, it's the only way you can expand 
ultimately. And you have to let go in life. I mean, even when you have kids, you have to let them go to school at some point and trust that there are people who have their best interests at heart. You know, so so that's what I've done over the years is I've moved on to new projects. And as the show consumes more and more of my time, I'm going to have to let go somewhat. But I will always hire the dancers, rehearse the dancers, quality control the show. And, you know, pop in to make sure I quality control the entire experience, whether it's downstairs in a cafe with our gourmet burgers and these crazy skyscraper milkshakes that we serve and make sure the service is good. That's why Kelly's comments meant so much to me, because it shouldn't ever be more of a reason now than before to give good service. But it is now because money is scarce and and times are hard. So if someone's going to decide to go out for a meal, go out for a a nightclub or to go to a show and they're going to spend money that they've worked really hard for better. Give them your a game. You got to give them a great experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's gotta be, you know, it has to be the whole mise-en-scene. It has to be the whole experience. And, um, you know, it's important, especially in today's market where everybody's got access to, you know, a click away from saying this is the greatest since the invention of white bread or it, this place is not worth the money. You know, I mean, everybody's a critic. Yeah. You know, you just got to you got to be hands on. I don't I, that's why I've never licensed my name to a casino, you know, which is always the offering casino world, you know, like celebrity chefs do, you know, you know, I mean you know, Wolfgang Puck or any number of chefs will license their name, but they're not involved to the extent that I am in my projects. So I open, invest in and and raise the capital and open the venue so that I'm not trusting anyone else to execute, you know. Ivan, so obviously I know all this history, like what you've done and Kelly now knows, but Kelly, if you could speak to this too, like both of you, what is it like to be who you are and have all this experience and then put, put down, put down a venue where, you know, most people haven't heard yeah. of 40 Deuce, right? Yeah. For me, I feel like being there that night, it didn't matter that I didn't know, or it didn't matter. They were there. And I feel like it's now making the name for it here. So I don't know. I mean, obviously the, the experience is what makes it the ultimate show because he has a formula, he knows what he's doing. Um, but that's not why, I don't think that's why Midwest Columbus, Ohio people showed up that night. I think it's probably because rumors on the street is it's the hot spot and the new show and the cool thing. Um, and I feel like it's just making a name for it here. But I, I also want to say like, I'm super excited. I'm like a total all about Broadway show girl. And so I'm excited to hear your life in that way. So I, I feel like I'm going to be the first person. I, I, I want a personal text <laughs> when the show goes you have my promise. live <laughs> because I want to be there at opening night. I want to be there. You have my promise. Um, yeah. So Ivan, what is that? I mean, not from an ego standpoint, but like, you know, you put a club down in L.A., everybody knows who you are. Yeah, I kind of left ego uh, a long time ago, you know. Okay, okay. It's <laughs> not really what feeds my soul anymore. You know, I'm not going to pretend to have not been at a certain time in my life 
which coincidentally happens to be the time where our lives intersect. Yeah, yeah. You know, but being in LA and having club after club that's celebrity filled and 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 you know the must see club and where everybody's trying to get in past the rope, it definitely feeds your ego. It's hard not to get caught up, but I'd like to think that I've never turned into you know, an asshole. Can I say that on the podcast? We're all adults. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> all right. So I don't think I've ever done that. I've been married to the same amazing woman for 35 years. You know, yeah. I never got caught up into that. I'm, I never got caught up in the drug scene, you know, but I certainly like to have a lot, of, have a good time. And certainly it doesn't suck when everybody's trying to get into your club and you're like, you know, living out that fantasy. I really did leave that, you know, age has a way of mellowing you. I'm not old in spirit, but I'm older in years and um, ego is not important to me anymore. What is important to me is feeding my soul by being a creative person, by having outlets to, to, to create in and to, you know, make people happy. And I know that sounds corny, but you know, if, if money is the driving force of what I do, I certainly wouldn't be in the restaurant business. Mm. You know, that can drive me, you know, I certainly wouldn't be flipping burgers. It has to be creative from the way the menu looks, you know, the tables are set during the show. You know, I run the light board, you know, I mean, it, it's like, I, I just needed to, be creatively satisfying. And if, you know, I, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I don't apologize for being in the Midwest. If people don't get it, I don't really care. You know, mm-hmm, it's yeah. exciting here and I'm bringing something exciting to people and they're enjoying it. So what the hell's wrong with that? You know, uh, so I'm not in LA right now. It doesn't matter to me. There's a reason why I'm not in LA because from a business standpoint, this was the smart move, you know? Yeah, and it's dead now because of the pandemic. And it's dead now. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I count my blessings every day. I mean, if I were in L.A., I'd be done, you know? Well, I have to say that not even like you or me personally, but so many people I know and possibly me go to a market that's smaller than what I'm used to. The thought going through my mind would be like, don't you fucking know who I am? (laughs) And I'm not saying I have that thought. Plenty of people don't know who I am, but I think that thought is what a lot of people in that trajectory doing what you've already done, coming to a smaller market, they might have that attitude. Yeah, that's not part of my DNA. It's just not, you know, I mean, I, you know, I walk around the restaurant and talk to people 99% of the time. They say that's just the best. Oh my God, you're the owner. I can't believe you're talking to us. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm so bored with people that possibly even think that's all right to behave like you're superior to somebody. That obviously is just not the way the world can function. I treat everybody with the same amount of respect and anybody that can, you know, wash dishes like my dishwasher has been with me since the day I opened or, or make burgers like my sous chef or executive chef, you know, they're doing just as great a job of what they do as hopes what I do, you know, and it, there's a lot of talented people that help me do what I do. And, uh, I think that's just the way it's gotta be. Oh, I love it. I, I love that. We can now bring the story to both ends of the spectrum, you know, geographically, cause I know a lot of my friends are like, what's going on with Ivan? Well, now we know. It's great. Now we know. Now we know. He's hanging out in the Midwest. (laughs) Kelly, I have a question for you. 
So your friend, sorry, your cousin, right? Okay, because you come to this show with a dance background. Uh, Kelly and I danced back in the day together, and that's how we knew each other. Oh. Because I can't change my viewpoint either, because I'm coming at it from a dancer standpoint. So for your cousin and for everyone else you know, how, you know, like, what is that difference in perspective, in perception, whatever? She danced her whole life. Oh, that doesn't help. And a gymnast. (laughs) So she was definitely like the second girl. She's like, she is a hardcore, she was a hardcore gymnast. Um, I mean, I don't know. Listen, I can say this. Even for myself, when I first came to the rehearsal that we always joke around about that, you know, you were doing a burlesque show, um, I would never have thought of burlesque or stripping or any of like, I wouldn't have realized the talent, the performance and the dance aspect until I came to that rehearsal. And I just, it opened my mind up and made me think differently. So I think that if you're not a dancer or performer watching this show that I saw on Friday night, you would still have to see the experience on stage. Like there was no way around it that these people weren't experienced and that it was a show like from transitions to where they were in certain moments to hanging on the beads upside down. Um, it, it was all placed in certain times for a certain reason. And I think even if you didn't have that background, it wouldn't probably be in the way that I'm saying it, but they would still have that concept of these are experienced performers. Yeah, I agree with you because my, my theory has always been that you want people to have this incredible experience, but they don't know why. It, was it the dancing? Was it the musicianship? Was it the food? Was it the ambiance? Was it the little details that they probably don't notice like you were just describing because you're a dancer? Um, it's just the whole experience coming together properly that makes them just know that they felt lighter on the way out the door than they did on the way in the door. You know, I don't think that's changed from the beginning. You know, I mean, to come full circle from your original question, I think that just do something you think is going to make people happy and they're going to have a good time, whether it's an L.A. audience that's definitely, you know, very sophisticated, and very discerning or a Columbus audience that may be less discerning because they don't have a lot to compare it to. But I think they're both walking out with the sense of elation that only comes from quality. I have a question, Ivan. Do you think the audience here, and I I have no idea the answer to this, but I would think in LA that it's a little bit more performance experience, the club vibe, especially in Hollywood. It's a little bit more on every corner. Maybe not the caliber that you've always held your clubs and performers too, but still um, your senses, it's in your face a little bit more. Do you feel like the Columbus Columbus audience is a little, is it fun for you in a different way because they don't have that at their fingertips or it's not surrounded opposed to an LA or Vegas? Yeah, it is fun in a different way because it's more surprising to them, you know, and it's more kind of, you see, you, you see a lot of jaws drop and eyes open wide. And that's, that's definitely gratifying, you know, 
because it is more surprising. I, it, it's like Kelly was saying. I mean, I don't think you, when, once you go through the refrigerator door, I don't think you expect what you find. And, you know, it doesn't look like, you know, anybody else's kind of venue in Columbus. So it's like, what am I doing in this warehouse and what the hell is going to happen here? I mean, I hear it all the time. Like, where are we going? What is this? And I just think, I actually think it adds to the experience because it's just that much more of a delight because you don't expect it. In LA, you're constantly wowed, but, um, you know, hopefully I've been able to even rise above that. But, you know, but there's a lot of, anticipation that comes with coming to the venue in Columbus because they don't know what to expect. And um, I think that surprise is more gratifying to me than doing it to a more jaded demographic in a major cosmopolitan city like LA or New York. (laughs) The word, the perfect word is jaded. Perfect word. Yeah. I just, finished telling Kelly that like now that I'm in my 40s like all of the parties I go to I feel so obligated what is that about (laughs) you know what I'm saying that's terrible (laughs) yeah yeah it's terrible yeah but it's gotten that way to me where I was like I have to go to this event oh I have to put lashes on yeah jaded is the word Ivan you totally hit the nail on the head listen Ivan I have to say like the surprise and delight started with the freezer door (laughs) <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like that, like I, I kind of knew what I was walking into a little bit more than maybe like my cousin or someone else. And when we got to the freezer door, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I got excited as soon as I got to the freezer door. Yeah. And that's, that's great. And that's, you know, purposeful because that's exactly what I want people to feel. I want their heart rate to elevate just a little bit right at the beginning. All of your words, I can't tell you how much they mean to me because they duplicate exactly what I was trying to get across, you know, and people pass the dishwasher on the way in and they go, oh my God, I'm in the kitchen here, you know? (laughs) Carrie, I have to say he gave us a big shout out too. Ah! Um, From the DJ booth, I like stood up and gave like a little greener grass wave and when I was walking to the parking lot these three girls were together and they were like hey we want to download your podcast oh, what is it again hey yeah yeah <laughs> well I got the full treatment oh yeah we gotta promote each other girlfriend <laughs> that's right that's right yep. I also need to like try to figure out how we can get more people who don't even listen to podcasts to listen to our podcast because I feel like that's a barrier yeah well I talk about it all the time now <laughs> I love it well, and Ivan, I have to say, like, I gave all these compliments. I meant them all. And I have been talking about it nonstop. So pretty soon in the next like couple of months, you're going to see me and you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, she's here again. <laughs> <laughs> she's here again. That's so complimentary. Thank you. And I know you meant it because you're just you've got that honest vibe. I don't think you're about to kiss anybody's ass. So I appreciate that. No, it's a real deal. Like, I I feel like I'm going to have to come with my boyfriend and his friends. I'm going to have to come with my girlfriends that I talked to last night. I'm going to have to come with my best friend that I that I talked about my dancer friends like I that I have. um I had so much fun. Like, it was so much fun for me. Like, it will definitely be something that I, you'll see me, you'll see me here and there for sure. I look forward to that. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, Ivan, thank you so much for being with us. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who are going to tune in just to find out what the hell you're doing. Well, I appreciate your having me on your podcast. I feel very honored and thank you so much, Kelly. Great to meet you finally. And Carrie, great to reconnect. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you.
Thank you so much to Ivan Kane for being with us today. You can find him at 40deuce.com. We'll also put it in the show notes so you could go there and easily find it. And if you'd like to join the Greener Grass family, please click the show notes and join our list. Thanks so much to Asa Watkins for post-production. And if you'll honor us with a five-star rating, anywhere you get your podcast, it really helps others find us easier. And thank you so much for listening. This is Greener Grass, a podcast. Say hi. Hi. Say hi, listeners. Bye. Can you say, no, it's not time. It's time to say hi. We just started. Listen, Bean, do you know how to say podcast? Podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Hi.